you will not believe the new U.S. Navy's recruitment efforts. Just stand by. Uh, Justice for me, but not for thee, of course. And Bill Gates praising the evils of communist China. Mm, All that and more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. It's a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. This is the first week we've started off our brand new weekday episodes, Monday through Friday. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming at you this week. Hey, protect your online activity with the best and easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use that special link in our show notes and you will get an incredible deal on a VPN and protect your privacy online with NordVPN. We got a thunderstorm going on right now. It's it's not over our area, but it's right on the edge. So you can see the lightning and hear the thunder rolling in. And, uh, and since we're talking about thunder, let's talk about this little lady. This is our little three-year-old Shiba Inu, known as Miko. And the Miko update, that is her about an hour ago. And yes, we finally got her thunder coat because... The fireworks, they drive her nuts. She hates them. She pants and she literally sits there and shakes. They bother her so much. But of late, lightning is also bugging the hell out of her. So I bought her one of these thunder coats. We just got it today. We put it on because there's thunder in the distance and she was a little bugged by it. It seems to work okay. She seems a bit calmer. We don't have any fireworks, thankfully, to test it on. We might tomorrow, because tomorrow is Wisak Day, and that is a Buddhist celebration, bathing the Buddha. And uh, Wisak Day is tomorrow. It's a public holiday here where I live. Uh, Not for you guys in the U.S. Sorry, we've got a holiday. You don't. But trust me, there are so many public holidays here. It's amazing we get any work done at all. So, yeah, that was her modeling her new thunder coat today she uh, she just got it and fits pretty well it's kind of snug but that's the whole idea that's what it's supposed to be and uh hopefully she feels a bunch better about uh about thunder and fireworks our miko update is brought to you by the good folks at barkbox.com slash miko that's our special link where you can get an extra month free what is barkbox it is a monthly subscription service Delivered right to your door every month, and you'll get a themed box of two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew every month. Delivered right to your door every month is a brand new theme. Great customer service. If you're ever not satisfied with anything, you just get a hold of them, and they'll make it right. 100% guaranteed. All of their dog treats and dog chews are made of 100% natural ingredients. There's no chemicals added. They're all good for your dog. You could eat them yourself if you wanted. Well, maybe don't do that, but you could, and it wouldn't hurt you. (laughs) All right, so BarkBox.com, that's the spot, and check them out using our special link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, and that will get you that amazing deal of an extra month, absolutely, positively free. All right. You are not going to believe this one right off the bat. It's, (laughs) you know, we got a big problem because of these idiots 
with the woke military. Well, it ain't getting any better. Once I get rid of all of these ads here, here we go. All right. I hope you're sitting down. The Navy is allowing a drag queen sailor to perform for fellow sailors in these, well, they call it debaucherous acts. You know what? Drag queens performing for adults, I got no problem with that. I've seen plenty of drag shows. They're funny as hell. Those guys are amazingly talented. Um, Yeah, here you go. Third class yeoman Joshua Kelly from Berwick, Pennsylvania, performs during the Morale, Welfare, and Recreation in Heels. Yeah, that's lovely. He's otherwise known by his drag name of Harpy Daniels, serving looks uh, while uh, looks while serving the country. Stationed on a ship in Yokosuka, Japan, the 24-year-old performs for his fellow Navy sailors while also fulfilling his role as squadron's administrative supervisor by day. He says here, My biggest performances are the lip-sync competitions we hold to build up morale, Kelly told ABC News. The Navy's Morale, Welfare, and Recreation, MWR Department, puts these events on to entertain sailors. You know, it used to be Marilyn Monroe. Now it's drag queens. Friendly competitions. Um, But as Harpy Daniels Kelly comes to slay, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Stand by. Here is... I can't even believe I'm playing this. Just take a look. Yeah. That's Harpy Daniels. Navy sailor and drag queen. And I have to believe that the Chinese, Russians, just about everybody else on the planet who might be our enemy is laughing their ass off. Because this is what's represented our military today. Kelly shows are part of his lip sync competitions. And they're designed to boost morale. I'm sure that's that's boosting a lot of morale. It hopes to inspire people all over the world, he says, and show that you can serve your country and still be yourself. Thanks for playing. Have a nice day. Yep. That's what Miley and Biden and the whole moronic idiots running this country are serving up to represent you and the United States Navy. Is that the kind of crap you want? You do? Great. Well, you got it. If you don't, I might suggest that you get a hold of whatever congressperson or representative you have covering your area or neighborhood or state uh, and tell them you're tired of it. And you're not going to put up with it anymore. All right. We got... uh, (laughs) Peter Ducey from Fox News 
you know, I know Fox News, Tucker Carlson, all that crap and everything that went on. It's just absolute garbage. But you got to see this. Somebody took uh, something from the press conference with that idiot. Uh, and, and well, I just I tell you what, let me just play it and you can have a look. He basically he blasted her. Watch this. If the border is secure, as the administration has said, then why would we need to send 1,500 active duty U.S. troops down there? <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> Have a nice day. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Kareem Jean-Pierre. Oh, man. I, I'll just... And Peter Ducey does this all the time. Slam. Bang. Done. Goodbye. Ay, ay, ay. That is funny. And kudos to whoever it was that uh, <laughs> put that uh, that video together. Well worth your time. And the links to that, if you want to share it out in your social medias, is in our show notes tonight, so do check it out. All right, from uh, the post-millennial, mm, oh, man, justice for me, but not for thee. Yeah, this is an amazing article that will make you shake your head again, because we do a lot of that kind of crap on this show. From the post-millennial, links in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing, an Antifa member has been sentenced to 60 months probation. That's basically five years of just checking in, what, once a month, maybe, once a week at the worst, for his role in the May 2021 Portland riot. Jared Bailey Hunter-Huber, who is 23, pled guilty to one count of arson in the second degree. Arson! one count of criminal mischief in the first degree, and one count of riot. I didn't even know just riot was a charge, but apparently it is. And there's the little moron now, mommy's boy, and there is some of his handiwork on right the next to him. Brilliant. Tuesday, Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt <laughs> announced that a Portland Antifa member has pled guilty in relation to the riots in 2021 May in downtown and has been sentenced to 60 months of probation, which is basically a slap on the wrist and go away. He pled guilty. He was sentenced in October or April 26th, ordered to pay more than $20,000 in restitution to the organizations and businesses he damaged. I would guess the damages were a hell of a lot higher than twenty grand. Uh, Judge Benjamin Sode uh, sentenced him to that, according to the DA's office. This is insane. Jacob Meyer, charged with cr uh, felony criminal mischief, at the Antifa riot, where the Black Bloc started fires, attacked police with frozen bottles and metal spikes, and smashed up businesses in downtown. Charged with seven felonies. Unbelievable. This is from Andy No. 
Uh, it's just, yeah, there you go. Five years probation for all that damage and destruction that this idiot caused. But, you know, if you're with Antifa, you just it's a free pass. Do what you want. doesn't matter. DAs aren't going to convict you. They're not going to send, you know, the judges aren't going to sentence you. It's just getting worse. Until you stand up and say, that's it. I've had it. That's enough. I'm not putting up with it anymore. Get a hold of your representatives, your congresspeople, whoever, your senators, and let them know how you feel. And importantly, by the way, let them know first that you vote. And vote, of course. Because they know when you call your congressman's or representative's office, they have a list of people. They know whether you're on the voting rolls, but more importantly, they know if you vote. And if you vote, they will pay attention to you. So the first thing to do is to get registered, vote, and then make phone calls, write letters, send emails, whatever it is, and tell them you're not putting up with this crap anymore. Or you could clone yourself and have them do it if you're too busy. And with AI, that could happen. This is the uh, yet another one of those stories. I found it in the uh, Wall Street Journal. It is a paid site, but I think you can at least see the video, which is very cool. Most of this article is this video. I'm not going to play it because it's long, and it, but it's fascinating. Let me just summarize it for you. Uh, this reporter challenged herself to see if she could make an avatar of herself using AI, both image and voice, and get through an entire day only using the avatar, not doing any of that work herself. And she tracks it, they shoot it, and they show you what stuff she got away with, including interviewing somebody for a story using her avatar and an AI voice. And it worked. She even at one point, she calls her sister and says, you know, whatever. And then she gets on live. It's really her and said, did I fool you? Did you think? And the sister said, yeah, in the beginning, I thought it was you. But uh, it, it's amazing. You've got to check out the video. I'm not going to waste your time, all seven minutes of it, playing it here on the show. But I put the link in the show notes so you can actually check it out yourself. Even though it's a paid site, the subscription service, the Wall Street Journal, the video shows up in the little preview. So you'll be able to still see that. And that's 99% of the story. So do check it out. I usually don't include links that have, uh, you know, like paid subscriptions. But this one, you can actually get away with seeing the meat of the sandwich there. So check it out. And yet another totally freaky use of AI. And, you know, we've been talking about the... The dangers of that. Unbelievable. All right. You ready for a little misinformation? This is from Breitbart. Yeah, links again in our show notes, as is everything we talk about here on the show. Pinkerton, bringing the war on terror home to target Americans for disinformation. You know, they've done this before with uh, parents at school board meetings. They've labeled them as terrorists, the FBI, and all their bullcrap. It's 
just getting worse. Disinformation and the erosion of democracy. Hoax of the century. The U.S. government took the information techniques it learned after 9-11, and it's turned them on you. America may have lost the Great War on Terror, but our technocratic elites could still win their war against American liberty. That's the argument made by Jacob Siegel in a 13,000-word tablet magazine article. It's called A Guide to Understanding the Hoax of the Century. Seeks to explain a high-level hoax perpetrated against you and me, Americans, by elitists who believe themselves to be infallible. Specifically, he writes, these infallible elitists are saving the world, they say, from disinformation, which is whatever they decide the untruths are about whatever, Russia, Ukraine, Trump, COVID, climate change, election fraud, Brexit, you name it, whatever they decide is misinformation or in some cases hate speech then that's when you become a target. You name a flavor of disinfo, and they want to save us from it. They're operating in the State Department and other federal agencies, numerous foundations, NGOs, a hundred different academic centers have sprung up like mushrooms since uh, 2016. (laughs) There's the cause of 80-90% of the problem right there in the form of uh, Barack. These people and ogres are originally schooled in the InfoWars techniques, which were associated with the 9-11, the Great War on Terror. But they don't seem to be worried about jihadis these days. You see, these experts on InfoWar have morphed themselves into experts on dis-InfoWar. Bolstered by the Pentagon... Their new target is the American people, you and me. What started out as a way to fight a faraway foe, Siegel says, has quietly metastasized into a totalitarian fantasy of endless warfare against the erroneous thoughts and feelings of ordinary citizens closer to home, meaning you. Yeah. Thoughts and feelings, which they're trying to control. Sounds a little like the book we're going to be starting tomorrow, George Orwell's 1984, doesn't it? Hmm. This is a fascinating article. Naming names, Siegel points out the writer, uh, the State Department Global Engineering Center. You never heard of that, have you? Well, it was created by Obama in 2016, and it is still going strong. The State Department, their global engagement center. This is what they say their purpose is. To direct, lead, listen, listen, listen close, synchronize, integrate, and coordinate U.S. federal government efforts to recognize, understand, expose, and counter foreign state and non-state propaganda and disinformation aimed at undermining or influencing policies, security, stability of the United States, its allies, and its partner nations. 
Now, on their own, those words emphasizing foreign disinfo might sound okay. But the GEC takes the broadest possible view of its mission, and they include domestic targets. Once again, you and me. Read the rest. It Read the rest. It is scary, this article uh, from Breitbart.com. It's in our show notes, and it's just another example of how they're going to control you. They're going to control what you say. And you know what? When you take this kind of crap and you combine it with a central bank digital currency, even more ways for them to decide they don't like what you're thinking or they don't like what you're posting on your social media and suck that digital currency right out of your account between carbon taxes and disinformation that they decide is disinformation. We are headed for a dystopian nightmare, my friends. You think I'm kidding. Mark my words. What is it? 3rd of May, 2023, at 10.21 Eastern. It ain't going to get better before it gets completely worse. And then look out. All right. I got a couple more here for you. This is insane. In fact, this is beyond insane. This is a Democratic member of Congress uh, at Rep Epps, E-P-P-S, hmm. from the Colorado House of Representatives. She is arguing, listen close, she's arguing that the penalty for exposing yourself to a minor online, which is currently a felony, should be reduced to a misdemeanor in the name of, here we go, equity. Mm, not kidding. Take a listen to this. Someone would say, as we heard about 10, that if a person exposes themselves to a minor online, it's a felony, and that it is, the words were, unjust for it to only be a misdemeanor. The exposure online is a felony because of a policy choice. That's not some written in stone, pre-existing, happened with the Big Bang fact. We chose that. We could have chosen, I wasn't here for the debate, so I can't say should have, but we could have chosen to align the offenses at the misdemeanor level. And we're being asked, members, as part of the justification to do anything other than adopt L008, we're being asked to consider that this offense, if done online, is a felony, but it's only, and I say only gently, because the consequences of a misdemeanor sex offense charge and or conviction are, are, are severe. Yeah. And there's a reason they're severe, and there's a reason it's a felony, because it's freaking disgusting. And if you do it, you ought to wind up in federal prison for a very, very, very long time. And this idiot 
wants to have this reduced or changed in law. It's currently a felony. And she's arguing this sick, insane representative that it ought to be reduced to a misdemeanor, which means basically, bad boy, don't do that again, and off you go. Yeah, For exposing yourself online. At Rep Epps, R-E-P-E-P-P-S. That is her Twitter handle, and I encourage you to let her know just how sick and twisted she really is. Link to that also is in our show notes tonight because I wanted to give you a chance to be able to reach out to Ms. Epps, whatever, and I don't care what her pronouns are. (laughs) All right. Bill Gates and China. China, as the Don says. This is insane. You won't believe this piece of video I've got coming up. Uh, Before we do that, though, we want to tell you about one of our sponsors, and that is the good folks at Brickhouse Nutrition. Brickhouse Nutrition creates the amazing product called Field of Greens. Man, this is good stuff. I am telling you, everybody knows about the benefits of getting all your daily fruits and vegetables, how important it is, the key to healthy living. But while fruits and veggies are the anchor of any healthy diet, the problem is you got to go shopping for them. You got to keep them fresh. You got to store them. You got to prepare them. You got to cook them. And, you know, it's just not that easy. It's not convenient. You don't have the time. You don't have the space. Half the time you buy, you know, you say, oh yeah, I'm now today, I'm going to do it. And you go out and you get all these fresh fruits and veggies. And by the time you get around to them, they're gone off. They rotted. They're, They're bad. They're spoiled. How many times has that happened to you? It's happened to me time and time again, but there is a better way, an easier way. In fact, you'll wind up getting more of the right fruits and vegetables you need than what you could likely shop for, not to mention the cost. Field of Greens, it's a science-backed formula of specific, healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables that have been ground into this amazing-tasting powder. powder. And you just mix it in with, you, you can mix it in with water if you want, but you can mix it with green tea, orange juice, whatever you pick mixes perfectly in there and it, they are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables not extracts 100% real USDA organic fruits and vegetables you look on the back of the package it doesn't say supplement facts it says nutrition facts why because these are 100% real organic fruits and vegetables several tasty flavors take a look at that they're really good and it is really good for you field of greens from brickhouse nutrition down in our show notes tonight is a special link to go to their website if you use that link you will get an amazing offer courtesy of the jay sheldon show and brickhouse nutrition thank you brickhouse nutrition for helping to sponsor part of the show and they do a great job over there they really do so check them out brickhouse nutrition all right let's get on with this bill gates crap huh look at this from china.org.cn bill gates proposes pandemic response team you see he's already getting for the next one getting ready for the next one uh cites china 
as crucial for global health. He says, this is Gates talking, this criminal, says the world needs a special response team to stop the next pandemic and praised China as an important contributor to global health equity. But now get this. Listen to what this idiot has to say. In their typical, fairly authoritarian way, they did a very good job of suppressing the, the virus. Uh, you know, there may have been a lot of individual rights that were violated there, but the overall macro effect that they achieved uh, is, is, you know, quite a, um, kind of amazing. Uh, they had the benefit that it was really Hubei, you know, 60 million people, and they brought in the health resources, 1.4 billion, and their ability to build hospitals uh, very, very quickly yeah. and force. So you heard him in the beginning. You heard what he said. In spite of several awful human rights violations, they just did a bang-up job. Huh? You heard it. I didn't say it. You heard it right out of the horse's mouth or the horse's ass, which in this case he is. Unbelievable. According to Gates, countries that got testing right on early and utilized masks and social distancing, both of which, for the most part, have completely and scientifically been proven to have done absolutely jack squat for being any kind of an effective deterrent to spreading the virus. Um, going forward here, just like you just heard him say, the world needs to invest in disease monitoring and response with a global rapid response team. R&D for diagnostics, uh, diagnostics, vaccines and treatments. And wouldn't you just guess that he has his hands in all of that? Oh, yeah. Hmm. But you, you know, a whole bunch of stupid people out there will just fall in line. Uh -huh. Yeah, okay, jab me again. I want another one. I'll lock myself in the house for another six months. Uh -huh. Sheeple. Sheeple! You don't believe me? Take a look at this. I saved this for our last bit before we get on with our book. Because it's beyond funny. Take a look at the entrance to this building, and then I'll tell you what's actually happening here. I see what looks like the security guys scanning people, letting them in the building. Put your hands out. Scanning. There we go. Scanning. Okay. Cool, huh? Let's just let that roll again. You know what this actually is? That isn't a security guy. It's just some guy. And do you know what he has in his hand that he's scanning people with? A lint roller. Yeah. It's a lint roller, and that isn't a security. doesn't even work for the building. Just went up there, stood in the entrance, and when people came up, he put his arms up, said, you know, like, said, put your arms up, which everybody, okay, put your arms up, and went over and scanned them, with a lint roller and people just fall in line and do what they're told 
and don't fight back and don't question. And you have to stop doing that. Please. Stop doing that. Coffee break time. Hey, don't forget our show merchandise, top link in the show notes, and also our art gallery, one of a kind, limited edition, signed by me, art gallery stuff, mounted on canvas, buy one, hang it on your wall. Uh, Thank you for that. Appreciate it. We've already sold a few. So once we sell 10 of each one of the items, taking them down, deleting, they'll be gone forever. So check it out. Top two links in our show notes. All right. We are going to, believe it or not, conclude White Fang tonight. This will be the last part of the last chapter of White Fang. This was a long book, but it's been amazing. I'd never read this book before until I read it for you, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this. It was first published back in 1906 by Jack London, written by Jack London. And uh, it is, it's been absolutely amazing. We're going to finish it up tonight, and then starting on tomorrow night's stream, we will begin a brand new book. Thank you so much for your suggestion. We're doing George Orwell's 1984. I cannot wait. It's going to be so cool and very, very fitting that we begin reading this book. We don't, you know, we just do a chapter, half a chapter at a time until we get all the way through it. 1984 is a pretty long book too, by the way. That's going to take us a while. But right now, we're going to continue on with White Fang. Uh, From last night's episode, as you know, um, Mr. Smith here, who had escaped from prison and vowed to catch up with the judge and take out some retribution, well, while the family was asleep, White Fang was in the house. He heard someone or something rustling around outside and beginning to ascend the stairs while White Fang sat in silence, sniffing the air and waiting. White Fang bristled, but waited. The strange god's foot lifted. He was beginning the ascent. Then it was that White Fang struck. He gave no warning. No snarl anticipated his own action. Into the air he lifted his body in the spring that landed him on the strange god's back. White Fang clung with his forepaws to the man's shoulders, at the same time burying his fangs into the back of the man's neck. He clung on for a moment, long enough to drag the god over backward, Together they crashed to the floor. White Fang leaped clear, and as the man struggled to rise, was in again with slashing fangs. Sierra Vista awoke in alarm. The noise from downstairs was as that of a score of battling fiends. There were revolver shots. A man's voice screamed once in horror and anguish. There was a great snarling, growling all over arose a smashing, a crashing of furniture and glass. But almost as quickly as it had arisen, the commotion died away. The struggle hadn't lasted more than three minutes. The frightened household clustered at the top of the stairway, and from below, as from out of an abyss of blackness, came up a gurgling sound, as of air bubbling through water. 
Sometimes this gurgle became sibilant, almost a whistle. But this too quickly died down and ceased. Then naught came up out of the blackness, save a heavy panting of some creature struggling sorely for air. Whedon Scott pressed a button, and the staircase and downstairs hall were flooded with light. Then he and Judge Scott, revolvers in hand, cautiously descended. There was no need for this caution. White Fang had done his work. In the midst of the wreckage of overthrown and smashed furniture, partly on his side, his face hidden by an arm, lay a man. Wheaton Scott bent over, removed the arm, and turned the man's face upward. A gaping throat explained the manner of his death. Jim Hall, said Judge Scott, and father and son looked significantly at each other. They turned to White Fang. He, too, was lying on his side. His eyes were closed, but the lids slightly lifted in an effort to look at them as they bent over him and the tail was perceptibly agitated in a vain effort to wag. Wheaton Scott patted him, and his throat rumbled an acknowledged growl. But it was a weak growl at best, and it quickly ceased. His eyelids drooped and went shut. His whole body seemed to relax, flatten out on the floor. "'He's all in, poor devil,' muttered the master." We'll see about that, asserted the judge, as he started for the telephone. Frankly, he has one chance in a thousand, announced the surgeon, after he'd worked for an hour and a half on White Fang. Dawn was breaking through the windows, dimming the electric lights. With the exception of the children, the whole family was gathered around the surgeon to hear his verdict. One broken hind leg he went on. Three broken ribs, one at least of which has pierced the lungs. He's lost nearly all the blood in his belly. There's a large likelihood of internal injuries. He must have been jumped upon, say nothing of three bullet holes clear through him. One chance in a thousand is really optimistic. He hasn't a chance in ten thousand. But he mustn't lose any chance that might be of help to him, Judge Scott exclaimed. Never mind expense. Put him under the X-ray. Anything. Wheaton, telegraph at once to San Francisco for Dr. Nichols. No reflection on you, Doctor, you understand, but he must have the advantage of every chance. The surgeon smiled indulgently. Of course, I understand. He deserves all that can be done for him. He must be nursed as you would nurse a human being, a, a sick child. And don't forget what I told you about the temperature. I'll be back at ten o'clock again. A white fang received the nursing. Judge Scott's suggestion of a trained nurse was indignantly clamored down by the girls who themselves undertook the task. And white fang won out on the one chance in 10,000 denied him by the surgeon.
The latter was not to be censured for his misjudgment. All his life he'd tended and operated on the soft humans of civilization who sheltered, lived sheltered lives and descended out of many sheltered generations. Compared with White Fang, they were frail and flabby and clutched life without much strength in their grip. But White Fang had come straight from the wild, where the weak perish early, and shelter is vouchsafed to none. In neither his father nor his mother was there any weakness, nor in the generations before them. A constitution of iron and the vitality of the wild were White Fang's inheritance, and he clung to life, the whole of him and every part of him, in spirit and in flesh, with the tenacity of an old belong to all creatures. Bound down a prisoner, denied even movement by the plaster casts and bandages, White Fang lingered out for weeks. He slept long hours, dreamed much, and through his mind passed an unending pageant of Northland visions. All the ghosts of the past arose and were with him. Once again he lived in the lair with Kiche, kept trembling to the knees of Grey Beaver to tender his allegiance, ran for his life before Lip-Lip and all the howling bedlam of the puppy pack. He ran again through the silence, hunting his living food through the months of famine, and again he ran at the head of the team, the gut-whips of Mitza and Grey Beaver snapping behind, their voices crying, Ra, Ra, when they came to a narrow passage, and the team closed together like a fan to go through. He lived again all his days with Beauty Smith and the fights he'd fought, at times he whimpered, snarled in his sleep, and they that looked on said that his dreams were bad. But there was one particular nightmare from which he suffered. The clanking, clanging monsters of electric cars that were to him colossal, screaming lynxes. He would lie in a screen of bushes watching for a squirrel to venture far enough out on the ground from its tree refuge, and then when he sprang upon it, it would transform itself into an electric car, menacing, terrible, towering above him like a mountain, screaming and clanging and spitting fire at him. It was the same when he challenged the hawk down out of the sky. Down out of the blue it would rush as it dropped upon him, changing itself into the ubiquitous electric car. Or again, he'd be at the pen of Beauty Smith. Outside the pen, men would be gathering, and he knew a fight was on. He watched the door for his antagonist to enter. The door would open, and thrust in upon him would come the awful electric car. A thousand times this occurred, and each time the terror inspired was as vivid and as great as ever. <clears throat> then came the day when the last bandage and the last plaster cast were taken off. It was a gala day. All Sierra Vista was gathered around. 
The master rubbed his ears, and he crooned his love growl. The master's wife called him Blessed Wolf, which name was taken up with acclaim, and all the women called him Blessed Wolf. He tried to rise to his feet. After several attempts, fell down from weakness. He, he'd lain so long his muscles had lost all their cunning, and all the strength was gone out of them. He felt a little shame because of his weakness, as though, forsooth, he were failing the gods in service he owed them. Because of this, he made heroic efforts to arise, and at last he stood on his four feet, tottering and swaying back and forth. The blessed wolf, chorused the women. Out of your own mouths be it, he said. Just as I contended right along, no mere dog could have done what he did. He is a wolf. A blessed wolf, amended the judge's wife. Yes, blessed wolf, agreed the judge. And henceforth, that shall be my name for him. He'll have to learn to walk again, said the surgeon. So he might as well start right in now. Won't hurt him. Take him outside. And outside he went, like a king, with all Sierra Vista behind him and tending on him. He was very weak, and when he reached the lawn, he lay down and rested a while. And then the procession started on. A little spurts of strength coming into White Fang's muscles as he used them, and the blood beginning to surge through them. The stables were reached, and there in the doorway lay Collie, a half-dozen pudgy puppies laying about her in the sun. White Fang looked on with a wondering eye. Collie snarled warningly at him. He was careful to keep his distance. The master, with his toe, helped one sprawling puppy toward him. He bristled suspiciously, but the master warned him that all was well. Collie collapsed in the arms of one of the women, watched him jealously, and with a snarl warned him that all was not well. The puppy sprawled in front of him. He cocked his ears, watched it curiously, and then their noses touched. He felt the warm little tongue of the puppy on his jowl. White Fang's tongue went out. He knew not why, and he licked the puppy's face. Hand-clapping, pleased cries from the gods greeted that performance. He was surprised and looked at them in a puzzled way. And then his weakness asserted itself, and he lay down, his ears cocked, his head on one side, and he watched the puppy. The other puppies came, sprawling towards him, to Kali's great disgust, and he gravely permitted them to chamber and tumble over him. At first... Amid the applause of the gods, he betrayed a trifle of his old self-consciousness and awkwardness. But this passed away as the puppy's antics and mauling continued, and he lay with half-shut, patient eyes, drowsing in the sun. And that's it. Jack London's White Fang. Wow, what a book. What a book.
brilliant. What an adventure. I hope you enjoyed that. If you missed any of it, you can go all the way back like a hundred shows back. This is a long book and check that out. Now, beginning tomorrow night, by special request, we are going to start this. Yep, George Orwell's 1984. I cannot wait. We will have that for you beginning tomorrow night. All right, we'll see you again then. This has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Be sure you like and follow right there. Click that button that says follow. Really appreciate it. It's free for you. Helps the show out a lot. I'll see you again tomorrow. Good night. <laughs>